0: Hello, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving week. I know I am thankful to be back for a new episode of the Selby is Godcast. TJ, what's going on?
1: Well, as I just told you before we got started on the podcast, it's been uh, an eventful past half hour or so. So if you hear the sound of A, screaming children, B, a tree falling on my house, or C, me just jumping out the window because of the culmination of A and B, you will know why. Just laying it out there. (laughs) It's been a a wild past hour or so.
0: Yeah, I I think this crazy windstorm that we've had is the result of God being pissed off by your factual errors in an episode of Selvia's Godcast in my absence last week when you had on Jordan Bastion, And it was enjoyable listening to you guys banter about... The ins and outs of covering the Indians versus covering the Cubs, his first year away from Cleveland. Got to listen to that while my feet were in the sand and I had a Mai Tai in hand. Man, I wish I was not back in Cleveland.
1: Um not making I've, my past hour any better. Thank you. <laughs> I've got a bone to pick with you, man. You already like, picked it.
0: I know, but I gotta tell the people I'm like, I was like screaming in the ocean because you said that. And Jordan just agreed with these. Um, but you guys said Ryan Webb was the reliever. Jordan not that he made a point to avoid, but he just never communicated with well Ryan Webb wasn't here very long.
1: But I'm Mark Lowe, sure
0: Ryan Webb
1: okay, Mark Lowe. I'm pretty Mark sure Lowe Ryan Webb guy. pretty sure Ryan Webb was the same thing. And maybe the joke was that Ryan Webb was the new Mark Lowe because he had never said hello to him either. So that, okay, so I, I will say that's a half. The other one I just misremembered which ball was missing. Though I'm pretty sure if you ask Carlos Santana, he'll swear that the ball is gone and you can't have it back. <laughs> well, that's the thing is yeah. So
0: they the Indians wanted the ball that he caught in Toronto. You know, his knees digging into the carpet at the Rogers Center, and he's got that iconic pose. He ended up taking that home. That's on his mantle in his living room. Um, even though the Indians asked for it the ball that's missing that nobody seems to know where I have an inkling that major league baseball knows something about it, but the Rajay Davis home run disappeared. And part of it was that it like, didn't it, it,
1: it's still lodged in that camera that it (laughs)
0: like drilled the camera guy. And I don't know. They don't know what happened after that. So, um, yeah, I just, I wanted to come back and, and clear those things up.
1: No, that's fair. Uh, and like I said, I, I switched the two balls. I At one point, we had a conversation, I think, about Santana not wanting to give the ball back or you know, mm-hmm. it just being his property. And so somewhere in my brain, I stored it as it's missing. But it is missing from the Indians archives. They can't have it back.
0: Yeah, I mean, just think, it could be sitting in a dark closet in the bowels of Progressive Field with all the rest of their
1: <laughs> cool
0: memorabilia. That's such a shame.
1: Yeah. Uh, and. Unfortunately, it was not used in, in the harming of any televisions in Philadelphia's clubhouse. <laughs> I think we can confirm had nothing to do with any of that. So uh, hopefully it is safe and he knows where it's at. And it, it is being treated fairly. It is, it is a big so, baseball, you know, for, for the and it lives in the memories of Indians fans everywhere. And they're thankful that it happened. Yeah. you know, oh,
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't
1: planning on talking about Thanksgiving, so I don't know what you were. Trying to segue to right there. Well, the fact that it is Thanksgiving week and you're back, and I'm happy to have you back, even though you come back guns blazing, trying to tell me that everything I said <laughs> last week was wrong, and I'm gonna take it uh, to a new level here with the random mini of the day later on, oh, and God. give you a very, very, very difficult uh, random mini of the day to welcome you back. So you'll be thankful for that too.
0: Well, what does this say about me? First of all, I, you know, I heard that you had recorded with Jordan. And I'm bugging you while I'm in the middle of my vacation saying, post the stupid podcast so I can listen to it. And you're like, how do you even know it exists? But that's how, you know, I think that's, that's what the people want, man. We, when we want that new episode of the Selvius Godcast, it's like we can't go on with
1: our lives until it's, it's on there. Yeah. And in, in fairness, I probably get just as much enjoyment, if not more so, enjoyment out of the podcast than everyone else does. I just enjoyed listening to my own voice and my own takes and my own opinions so much that any time that we we go on a hiatus where we go like a week without recording one, I have nothing else to listen to because clearly, who else am I going to listen to talk Indians baseball? So I'm not going to turn on the radio station anytime soon, unless, uh, you know, this Friday. That might happen. We might have some baseball talk coming up on the radio station on Friday. A little spoiler. Nice plug. It's, it's like when you you break up with
0: someone and you go back like a few months later, like when you th- you think you're over them and you, you see you still have that voicemail they left you like toward the end of your relationship. And you just go back and you listen one more time, think it's harmless and then spend the rest of the night eating Ben and Jerry's on your living room floor. That's what it's like. You know, when, when we don't record for a week or two, I think, yeah, we all go back and we, we listen and we just think like, man,
1: just wish I could hear one more episode. <laughs> uh, Zach yeah hey can you swing and, swing by and pick up some milk on the way home thanks bye bye <laughs> to replay this message <laughs> hey Zach it's me hey can you go <laughs> yeah that's how I invasionate okay so let's this feels like
0: the calm before the storm um, and not necessarily from the Indian standpoint oh yeah Major League thanks, of baseball. thanks
1: for that phrase as I picked the tree up in my backyard and <laughs> just fell my bad Uh, but, but it's, we, have seen a few moves and
0: and it's nice because at this point last year, I don't know that there had been any signings, any trades, anything going on, but at least we've had a little bit so far and it feels like, you know, the winter meetings are a week and a half away, which is crazy. Um, but it seems like there is some momentum building to where maybe some shit will actually go down at the winter meetings this year. And, and I know, you know, this is, this is a rough time of year for us in finding things to talk about, finding things to write about. Um, that's why I've spent a lot of time lately. I know some of our colleagues have done the same or just spitballing trade ideas and pretending <laughs> to be GMs and um, going back and forth and, and who know like we, we come up with these ideas and we have no idea if, if this is something reasonable, you know, we have a little bit of Intel that tells us how our the team we cover values or covers certain players, but we don't know. In reality, what is a fair deal? what other teams front office people think? Um, so it's a little bit of a guessing game, but it's fun and and I you know a, a common theme here has been the Indians are going to get a ton of calls on their starting pitching because they have a lot of it, and it's rare for any team to have the sort of depth that they have, and you look and you say, okay, well, Kluber. He'd be tough to trade just because you're not going to get the return that you would have gotten a year ago or two years ago. Carrasco obviously isn't going anywhere. Clevenger and Bieber aren't going anywhere. So then you come to Savali and Plesak, Jeffrey Rodriguez, Logan Allen. I mean, we we can go further than that. Scott Moss is on the 40-man roster now. Um, Eli Morgan's not far away. So... And if you really want to think about it, like they spent a couple of first round picks on guys like Ethan Hankins and Daniel Espino the last couple of years, Sam Hankis is on the 40 man.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: there's, there's a ton of starting pitching and it's going to be a common theme where teams ask or they ask other teams. Can we strike a deal where we're dealing from our depth and we're filling a hole in the lineup or in the bullpen? Or So my question to you is, of all the starting pitchers on the roster, even Kluber, Clevenger, Beaver, all those guys, who would you be most willing to trade for some offensive talent? Who would you be least willing to trade
1: and why? It is a little unfortunate that this is where the Indians draw their biggest strength from, where they can have the biggest trade ammunition and yet, if you look at the free agent market, if you look at a lot of other teams, the the place where clubs are really getting desperate is the bullpen. We're seeing guys like Drew Pomeranz who got ten minutes of really good action in the bullpen, but you know it was ten minutes, and it was enough that he got a four year deal because there's just not a lot of great relief pitching available, and we're coming yeah, off a of year hey, where,
0: where
1: there's bullpens nothing wrong were down ten minutes baseball. of action, man. Sometimes there's nothing wrong
0: with 10 minutes of action.
1: Sometimes it's all that you can get. That's fine. That's fair. And it was a t- really good 10 minutes. Um, but, you know, he, he gets his, his deal. Yeah, the Braves striking early for a couple of relievers and taking some of the top talent off the board. So now clubs are going to be scrambling to fix their relief pitching. Starting pitching isn't necessarily – I mean, there's, there's going to be a, a lot of it. Now, is it all going to be great? No. But I think there's enough there that it brings down the price uh, somewhat uh, for those that are selling starting pitching. You're not going to get as much because teams could just turn to the free agent market and probably not have to spend a ton of money, not have to give up talent to bring somebody in. Um, and, and it's different for teams. You know, Everyone's trying to accomplish different sorts of things. I, I don't think the the Royals and the Tigers are going to be spending mega free agent dollars on on pitching and they probably want guys that are cheap going to be around for a long time so maybe that's where you might look to to see if you have a match but where the indians have this giant strength that they go into this off season where a lot of teams could say yeah well we're not as interested because we can go just give money to somebody instead of having to pay somebody something and give up talent that's different across the board and and teams value certain players and they might be salivating at a guy like Aaron Savali regardless but I'm just saying overall it does present a situation here where it doesn't line up perfectly where as if this was a thin starting pitching market in the free agent realm then the Indians would probably hold more of the cards so is that fair to say that that's uh, a little bit of a disadvantage not that it's really a disadvantage because you would just like that great starting pitching regardless but it's not quite uh, if you could draw it up perfectly it's not quite what you want agreed yeah 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 Okay, so now that we got all that out of the way, and you're probably not going to be able to set the price the same way you would have wanted to last year when you were dangling Kluber and Bauer. If you said if you could trade somebody for for the price that you wanted, who would you prefer it be? It would be an easy sell to me to say Corey Kluber because he makes a ton of money. There are a ton of question marks. But the reality is you would be selling so low that it's just not even – It I would rather just take the – the chance that he comes back at 80%, 75% of his former self, which is no longer one of the top three pitches in the game, but it is certainly still a, a one or a two in this game, right? I would rather take that chance on a guy like Kluber coming back than I would selling low and probably getting back something that is not even anywhere close to his value. Plus, the fact that you mm-hmm. already control him, you've, already, you've, you've plugged him in financially to where you're at so it's it's nothing new you're already operating with an understanding of what your roster looks like with him as a part of it it's kind of we go back to the michael brantley thing a couple of years ago when you know they were trying to decide should they pick up an option it's like well no we control this so we'll just hold on to it and see what ends up happening it's probably a similar situation with him so i move beyond him and i look at some of the other pitching that they have it does get I think it's complicated a little bit because the bullpen is unsettled as we sit here today. Now, a lot of teams will say that. they're. I don't, I don't know that they're going to be able to just go out and fix it with free agents like they do every single year. And I, I, don't, I don't know what's going to end up happening there. But I know that when they have as much starting pitching depth as they have, they have a number of guys that would really look appealing in the bullpen. It might not ultimately be where you want to put Zach Plisak and Logan Allen long term, but those two are at the forefront of my mind of if you're unable to plug in your holes in the bullpen, you've got two guys there that really plug in immediately. Jeffrey Rodriguez probably uh, right there too. So, I mean, you've got at least a couple of guys in house that can help you in multiple ways, right? So we're establishing that too. Do you have anything so far you disagree with? No. All right. Now we push past all of that of the guys that you ran down the list that are that you could trade, that could actually bring back something of value, and would at least make some sense. I keep coming back to Zach Pleissack being the guy that makes the most sense to me because I, I would think he and Aaron Savali are probably somewhere close uh, as far I mean with their development certainly. And then you saw some positive things from both guys. But Savali, we've talked about before. There's there's something there. Both tangibly and intangibly, that I really like about him. I mean, the numbers, you can look at some of the data, you can look at spin rates, and you can see some very elite things forming with him. And then intangibly, we have all of the conversations we've heard from players that are comparing him to Corey Kluber. I, I don't know that that's fair, but there's something about Savali that I really like to the point where I'm almost willing to slap the untouchable tag on him. Whoa! Almost. Everybody, everybody has a price. Everybody, You could sell me on something for, for Aaron Savali, But for all the guys that I think would be available, I think he is the one that I would least like to trade. And the one that I would be more willing to dangle would be Act.
0: Even though act has been working out with Clevenger all offseason, and Clevenger vows that Act's going to be throwing 100 by the time they get to string training?
1: I didn't know that Xbox Live for hours on end could get that done but congrats if mike clevenger's found a way to do that no i mean long term i think zach plisak might be a really intriguing bullpen guy because he has the two good pitches still searching for a third one a consistent out pitch there if you tell if you're telling me that he's going to throw now in the upper 90s putting him in the bullpen where you gain another mile or or two per hour. And now he's just focusing on throwing his two best pitches. I'm like, yeah, well, that's where he's really appealing. But you're going to have to give up something to get something. I'm not saying I want to trade Zach Plesak today if I'm in the position of the front office. But if you're asking me of the guys that I think back could actually, you know, could actually bring back something legitimate value wise between Mm -hmm. Savali and Plesak, I, I would be more willing to listen to sack offers than Savali. Now, you're the guy that cooked up trade offers for Savali and were just, like, throwing him away to anybody that wanted him. <laughs> no, and it's a completely no, different no. situation between you and me. <laughs> and that's, I, I put at the end of
0: the story that I really, really, really did not want to trade Aaron Savali. It was more so... Uh, well, you completed the trade. You well, click if I accept. Didn't, <laughs> if I didn't trade Savali in that fake trade back and forth, then we wouldn't have had an article. So I had to do something. Well, that's your problem. <laughs> Not, don't make a stupid trade just so you can write an article. No, I mean, I, I'm with you. I'd rather trade Police Act than Savali, but, but you bring up an interesting point, and it kind of relates to, I mean, they DFA'd Nick Goody this week, and look, I think both of us agree Nick Goody is like one of the best people we've ever been around in the game. Um, he's just Like he's just like a, another dude, like he's someone you could envision watching a game and having a beer with. And he, he never seemed like he was on a different level than reporters, just an an absolute gem of a guy. And he had a really strong start to the season last year. He kind of fell apart toward the end. I don't know if that was because he missed most of 2018. He was just tired or or, ran out of steam or what. Problem with him is he was out of options and the Indians didn't want to commit, you know, they'd have to commit. I think he was projected, what, like a million bucks in
1: arbitration, something around that. Yeah. Something slightly over. Yeah. And, and it's,
0: they have, Which you and options. I
1: probably would have happily paid just to keep the quotes in the club, clubhouse. <laughs> like out of our own bank accounts or. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, you don't have yeah. a half a million just sitting there ready to go. Not, not for that. No. Right. Well, uh, if you'd like to support the podcast and get <laughs> us there. find our page over an anchor
0: so that I can take more vacations.
1: (laughs) Um, But
0: I, 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 the point is that he DFAing him is, they don't have a ton of bodies in the bullpen yet. They have a lot of guys at double a and triple a who will probably see at some point over the next year or two, but it leads me to believe that they're looking at the starting pitching depth and thinking, well, you know, like Jeffrey Rodriguez might be better in the bullpen. Please sack. You know, maybe he starts the season at AAA as a starter, but if we have a need in the bullpen in the middle of the year, he could be a guy that we could tab. You know, we don't know if Carrasco is going to be able to stick in the rotation. That's their hope, but just in case, maybe he's a bullpen guy. I mean, you can go down the list and like, you can make a case for a few guys. And maybe that's what they're thinking. Um, maybe that's part of the reason why they DFA a guy like Nick Goody is that. They're going to go with kind of an all hands on deck approach, maybe something similar to what the not not with openers like the Rays have. But the Rays, they've got a shuffle like none other where they they pride themselves on having guys out of the bullpen who have minor league options and they can just rotate them in and out. And, and you know, I, I know Terry Francona has kind of praised the Rays for that approach and making it work. But you think about it, and it's like, okay, well, we know Brad Hand will have a job, and Nick Wickren will have a job. Oliver Perez, because of the besting options that he met, he's going to have a job, even though it looks like it's going to become more difficult if they enact this rule of, of three batter minimum. <laughs> it's also going to make it tough for Adam Simber. Beyond that, like, there really is no guarantee. I mean, I guess Hunter Wood, like, they have Phil Maton, James Hoyt still, but and Karen Check, but there are no. There are only like two or three guys who I can guarantee you will be on the opening day uh, bullpen roster. Yeah. And I think that leads me to believe that you might see some starting pitchers involved if they fall short. I mean, like even Adam Plucco, he's not a bullpen guy. You, you probably wouldn't think his arsenal would fit the bullpen, but like he's out of options. So if he's still on this roster and if they yeah. want to go with Clevenger, Bieber, Kluber, Carrasco, and Savali,
1: well, then Plutko's got to be somewhere or he's got to be on a different roster. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think the, if, if I had to bet today, I, I bet you Plutko's in the rotation and Savali and Plisak are starting the year in the minor leagues. Yep. And then you wonder,
0: is it worth it having both those guys at AAA or is it worth it just having, you know, do you put
1: Plisak in the bullpen to, to start? Um. Yeah, I don't think I, mean, I don't think they'll do that, and I'm not saying that that should be what they do tomorrow. Because I don't like to, as we talked about before with Shane Bieber on this podcast, I don't like to put a ceiling on guys and say, "Well, that's the only thing he's going to do." Well, how am I going to say that at the age of 24 that you just got agreed stick in, the, in the bullpen? I
0: agree with you, but then you start thinking about their triple A rotation. It's like you're really going to have Savali, Plesac, Logan Allen, who is a top hundred prospect, Jeffrey Rodriguez, like. Piggybacks, baby. The AAA starting rotation is going to be better than 10 Major League (laughs) rotations, potentially. So it's like, you know, do you need all four of those guys at AAA? Plus Eli Morgan, who is not far from being ready for the majors. I mean, it's it's Mm. ridiculous. So maybe, I I wouldn't be surprised, and, and my guess is Jeffrey Rodriguez would be the guy. But I wouldn't be surprised if they took one of those guys and just threw him in the bullpen, maybe toward the end of spring training and then let him run with it
1: no i would not be surprised too if one of them was and, and jeffrey seems like the if we're sitting here today trying to handicap it he was the one that last year when they acquired him we both agreed and many also agreed that long term he probably projected best as a bullpen guy so long as he could throw strikes um now he showed an Bits and pieces. I mean, he saved, he helped save the rotation early in the year last year Mm -hmm. uh, and pitched better than I anticipated. He would And kind of fell apart a little bit. Then obviously the injury took him off the board, but yeah, he projects it. He's another one that projects as a bullpen arm. But what I was trying to get at, probably not so eloquently is while it does seem like an easy thing to do is just, well, send one of those guys elsewhere. You don't need all the starting pitching depth. It's yeah. They're not going to need all of those starters knock on wood this year but they also have holes in the bullpen and some of these guys are going to help fill some of those holes in the pen it's we can sit here today and just see it kind of culminating together it's it's pretty easy to see uh, the way that they in the past have not spent a ton on their bullpen uh, outside going after andrew miller who was at the time a top two or three reliever uh, for the most part, they piece it together with young guys and guys off the the scrap heap, scrap heap, and guys at the end of their career, and that's kind of I anticipate this going the same way too, and it being a market where there's not as much relief pitching. I think it's setting up where they're going to use some of that starting depth in the bullpen. It just seems logical to me.
0: Yeah, I'd be open to trading for someone proven. I don't know who, um, but I mean, you look at the bullpen. It's like, well, you can't you can't put. Too high of expectations on Check just because he's pitched five major league innings in his career. Um, you hope he can turn into a... Him and Brad Hand could be a really nice tandem at the back end. And Wickren proved that he's, he's a pretty reliable middle innings guy. Um, but beyond that, it's like... You, you could definitely use another late-inning arm. I don't know how you would go about getting that. It'd have to be a trade. Yeah. Um, but that's why I, I'm I'm fine with them trading... You know, Pleasak or Jeffrey or Logan Allen even that would be cool to see a left-handed starter in the rotation, I think. And, and he's got some interesting stuff. Uh but I, I they have so much depth beyond that. And it's it's funny. Like I was talking to our our Pirates writer trying to figure out a trade for Starling Marte, and he's asking me about you know, Espino and Hankins and Eli Morgan. It's like like obviously Espino and Hankins are far away. They're you know, three, four years. Hankins probably three ish. Yeah. Espino is like 18 years old, so he's he's got a ways to go. But it's like it's crazy to think about, you know, by the time those guys are ready, your rotation's probably gonna be like Savali, Pleasak, Bieber, you know, Eli Morgan and Logan Allen anyway.
1: Like mm. yeah,
0: it's just it's wild. This pipeline they've created. Um and so I, I'd be fine. There's going to be a point in time when in the middle of that, like between the 18 year olds who are in a ball and the, the guys you have in the majors right now, that's where you can thin the herd a little bit and, and trade one or two of those guys for some help because you'll have like Beaver's 24 and he, you've got him under control for another five, five years. And, and who knows if they'll eventually sign a, a long-term deal. So it's like, you're going to have, plenty of talent you, you can afford to get rid of some of those pieces who would probably get lost in the shuffle anyway.
1: Well, they won't be doing it just to, to do it just because they have all this depth. It would be for the right guy. And, and yeah. we've tried to figure out who that is. I know you've tried with other writers to figure out who it is. And even if you're making bad trades, you're still targeting guys that probably make sense, whether it's uh Hanniger in Seattle, you know, we've talked about Whit Merrifield, And how much sense that makes from so many different perspectives, contract, talent position, just do it tomorrow. Do it today. Don't wait for tomorrow. Um, But yeah, I don't think they're just going to do it to do it because they are looking at, they're looking at the same things we are. They see a bullpen that is probably going to need reinforcements throughout the year. You go in anticipating the five or six guys are going to be there with you. And how often does that change? And how quickly does that change? So, Having guys that they can shuttle through, as you said, with options is probably something that really appeals to them. But as fun as it would be to see Logan Allen starting in the rotation and giving them a left-handed starter for the first one since, what, what David Huff? <laughs> um, TJ House, right? Yeah, yeah. And, God, I can't even think, oh, Scott Casmir would be the last consistent guy that they had as occupying a spot in the rotation Jeremy Sowers Jeremy Sowers Logan Allen seems like if you're looking to get another left-hander in your bullpen who is probably not going to be tied to matchups as much because he has starting in his background doesn't he seem like someone that could occupy a left-handed spot but still fit in with this new three batter minimum rule yeah I think he's going to be a guy who probably should get used to 71
0: I 71 <laughs> yeah, no kidding. he seems like he seems destined for a bunch of spot starts a bunch of okay this week you're gonna fill in in the bullpen um yeah and and that's not a knock on him I mean that's
1: a lot yeah, of guys a testament have, to the, to the team that they have the way that it's built
0: yeah and, and it, a lot of guys have had to fill that role and then gone on to have successful careers
1: I mean so it, it's
0: but he is I think he's interesting enough to where, yeah, I don't know. The left-handed relief worries me a little bit with this team. I think Kyle Nelson is a guy to keep an eye on. He was really close with Bieber. Uh, They overlap by a year at UC Santa Barbara. They're really good friends, roommates um, when, when Bieber was in the minors and it, it's aside from that, like I, I don't know, I, I don't know how much you can trust Oliver Perez at the age of 38 in his I think 18th yeah. major league season, with the rule that they might have in place, and you know it, it's also tough to rely on a rookie like Kyle Nelson in that sort of role. It's going to throw some
1: yeah I mean, some challenges even, at managers. Do you even can can you even utilize? I mean, is that even a thing anymore? Where you're looking for left-handed relievers that come in and neutralize left-handed hitters anyway. Is that a thing that, that is just not valued anymore?
0: Well, it's going to be it, interesting to see how managers assemble their lineups because we know Tito has preached, you know, going lefty-righty, 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 splitting up his switch hitters. Mm-hmm. And I think you're going to see managers do that even more now because, I mean, right. shit,
1: you, you can completely derail another team's bullpen plans. Yeah, I'm, the, the plan... That you think of in your head is you bring a guy in with two outs and he gets the final out of the inning you no longer have to worry about this rule it's gone you can bring in someone else new to begin the next inning because it's three batters or the end of the inning but if he doesn't you know if if, <laughs> if Ali perez comes in and doesn't get the left-hander out which can happen uh that's the, that job is <laughs> seems like so thankless you come in you have to face one guy. You better be freaking on for those five pitches or <laughs> else you're out of the game and you blew it. Uh I don't know yeah. how that – I don't know how anybody stays sane in that sort of role. Uh But, I mean, yeah, it's the same thing with, with Simber. Uh What about a guy like Nick Sandlin? Is Does he not have as much I, – I know he started and, and his side-armoring makes him someone that you think is just a right-on-right guy. Maybe he's more than that. We'll see. And is, is he not as valuable now to this organization because of this rule, or do the Indians just go against the grain and say, Nah, screw it, we're still going to utilize guys the same way, and if we can't get the one guy in, one guy they brought into face out, then we're just going to have to live with it. I, I I have no idea. It it is going to be it's going to be intriguing to watch. I also hate that it is actually a thing. I still think it's a stupid rule. Yeah, uh, I know Tito hates it,
0: and it, it's interesting because they're. The way they operated their bullpen in 2019, like, they can't anymore. And, I mean, he, he met, mixed and matched, like, it was the freaking playoffs in May and June and July. I mean, and you're not going to be able to do that anymore. Nope. And I know we've, we've kind of gotten off track here with what we were originally talking about. But it, it is... Us? No. <laughs> well, but it's it's going to be so interesting now to see because we you always see starting, you know, failed starting pitchers make the best relievers. And our team's going to have a, a quicker and itchier trigger finger on that now where, you know, it is a, a better way maybe to plug holes in your bullpen because these guys are used to not just facing a batter or two. They're not specialized like mm-hmm. that. So it, it, it's, it's going to be really inter- interesting. And the Indians probably as much as any other team in the league have options to be able to patch it together. It's just going to be tricky and difficult, especially with, you know, spring training environments. Like we've talked about plenty in the past. It's really tough to evaluate things in that setting. And so how are you going to patch this together? And and like, like every year it's like, they might start opening day in March or whenever mother nature permits and have a certain pitching staff set up with, you know, don't forget you have 26 man rosters now too you know with with terry francona at the helm that extra body is going to be yep. a relief pitcher so you know you have your eight-man bullpen at the start of next year well you know i wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the season it's like you're relying on three guys who are starting pitchers at the start of the year as you know your primary bullpen guys outside of maybe hand and wick and, and karen check
1: and what about Tristan McKenzie, yep. Who we haven't even barely touched on. This is someone that we last year were talking about. Oh well, at some point he'll be up here. He'll be pitching in that bullpen for sure. When they looked at all the holes in the bullpen, they thought, oh well, that that'll be Tristan McKenzie stepping up there. And now now he's to a point where I I can't even factor him into the plans because I don't even know where he's going to be at health wise. And say so, all the great things about it in the off season, but until he gets back on the mound and starts throwing and consistently proves that he's going to be able to make it through a season and because of all the starting depth that they now have is it easier to just say no because of his body type because of of the the workload he is just going to be a guy that can only throw 110 innings for us a season and we're just going to be happy with that is is he going to do what we always envisioned danny salazar doing Mm -hmm. you know it's another interesting piece that is really difficult to count on but it adds to this it adds to the intrigue, but also the question of where this team is going to be at pitching wise. So it's a name
0: I've, I've avoided on purpose largely just because of the unknown. And it's, it's crazy if you think, I mean, he was, he's still the team's number two prospect, right? He's still a top 100 guy and he's got tons of potential if he can stay healthy. And Mm -hmm. again, think of this possible triple a rotation, you have Savali, Plesak, Logan Allen, Tristan McKenzie, and Jeffrey Rodriguez. I mean, that, that legitimately, that rotation would rank like in the middle of the pack in,
1: in Major League <laughs> Baseball, wouldn't it? Uh, it might be better than what the Twins are rolling out there right now. I mean, it, it's ridiculous. Now, I, I did see, of... by the way, an art <laughs> a report. Hey, the Twins are checking in on top top of the rotation starters no shit if they don't do anything in the rotation they're gonna find themselves in third place this year no matter how good their offense is you got the white Sox making moves i mean what a month ago we talked about them being a team that they are a couple of moves away from being extremely dangerous and what do you know they've made a couple of moves yeah i would hope the twins are out there looking for starting pitching no shit
0: yeah we also don't know how bouncy the baseballs are going to be next year i feel like that (laughs) might uh That's fair. Play quite a big factor in the Twins' success. Um, But uh, it's – yeah, with McKenzie, it's it's like you almost wonder if you think he's going to be ready to help the major league team at some point, don't you kind of do the Salazar program and like stall a little bit, build him up really slowly so that he's peaking late in the year? And, and you're right. I mean, this is why this is why at least one of these starting pitchers has to be a candidate for a bullpen role because you just – there's so much – and I know you can never have enough starting pitching depth. And every time I talk to Mike Chernoff about this, he says, <laughs> yeah, like we like what we have, but also we're freaking panicked. <laughs> and it's like, dude, you've got like 12 capable major league starters. Uh, and it's, it's – but some of these guys just seem like they – you think about how rosters wind up in September and October. And like, there's always that starting pitcher who winds up in the multi-inning bullpen role. Who's like throwing harder than he's ever thrown before turns into their biggest weapon. And like, I could see police act doing that. I could see McKenzie doing that. I could see Logan Allen doing that. I mean, it's, it's wild.
1: Just the options that they have. Agreed. All right. So we'll continue this conversation throughout the off season until they actually do or do not do something. And, with the winter meetings coming up, this will be really busy. We'll have tons to talk about maybe nothing to talk about, but we'll be here a bunch to to talk about nothing. Uh, I I do want to say real quick with McKenzie, just because we were talking about who's most tradable.
0: um, He's, he's in the Kluber category for me, even to a more extreme extent where you're never going to get back the value that you could have gotten. They don't like selling low on guys. um, So he's, I don't
1: see why he would make sense in any sort of trade at this point. Unless you you, encounter a team that just said, we don't care about what happened last year. We still love him that much. Right. But you you know how these teams operate. Even if that is the case, they're going to go in saying, "Eh, well, we're not really that keen on this and that. And they're going to pick apart the player that they just inquired about. Yeah. It's, it's what we do in Hardball Dynasty. Hey, is that guy available? Yeah, sure, you can make an offer. Okay, good, but he's really not that great, so I probably won't give you that much.
0: <laughs> well, why are you
1: asking about him? Other owners do that to me, and I, I tell them,
0: I invented that move.
1: Don't try, to, <laughs> don't try that on me. Uh, all right, so I hear fighting downstairs between a three-year-old and a one-year-old, so that is my signal to tell you. we got to wrap this up and I got a random Indian of the day for you that I will be absolutely shocked if you get. This man played for the Cleveland Indians in 1998. He also played for, uh, let's see here, played parts of three years in the major leagues. He spent time with the Dodgers, the Angels, the Yankees and the Indians, never more than one year with any team in the major leagues. He finished with a 754 OPS in 123 career games. And he played with the Indians in 1998 at the age of 27. And he made it to the plate twice. He got two at-bats.
0: <laughs> oh, man. How on earth am I supposed to get this?
1: What position? Uh, left fielder and first baseman. Christ.
0: You yeah, went mean, 0 for
1: 2 with the Indians in 1998. Bruce Avon. <laughs> no, not Bruce Avon. Uh, let's see. In 1998, he actually played with the Dodgers. He had a, I think, is it saying here, a couple of stints with the Dodgers? 1998. He actually had a 730 OPS overall with 12 home runs in 1998 but he only played two games with two at-bats with the Indians. His last year in the major leagues was with the Anaheim Angels, where he slashed 300, 344, 600 in 32 plate appearances. How did they acquire him? All right, they acquired. He was selected off waivers from the Dodgers, and the Dodgers selected him back off waivers from the Indians. Jeez. So, last year in the majors was 1998. So, he played from '96 to 90, Excuse me, '99. '96 to '99 in the major leagues. I mean, do you think I've
0: heard of this person?
1: I'm not exactly sure. Oh, that's encouraging. Left-handed hitter, as I said, outfielder, first baseman. Uh, let's see. He was drafted by the Yankees in the eighth round of the 92 draft. Played for Cal Berkeley. And last game in the Major League, September 30th, 1999. I have no idea. Are you done? You give up? I give up. We are talking about none other than Matt Luke. (laughs) (laughs) literally Matt Luke. Yeah. So the crazy thing about it is over his career with a 754 OPS, that OPS plus is actually 98. So he was almost a league average OPS guy. That's pretty exciting for him for two, uh, 291 plate appearances or yeah, plate appearances in his career. And two of them came with the Cleveland Indians. According to a quick Wikipedia search, Matt Luke, is an American real estate agent who formerly played as an outfielder. But apparently, he's a real estate agent now. I wonder if he knows Vinny Pastano. Yeah, it seems like a path for a lot of former professional. Or Matt,
0: Matt Laporta, right?
1: Yeah. Didn't he have a pizza shop for a while? And... I think he owned some pizza shops and then maybe yeah. got into real estate after that. Yeah. So, Matt Luke, your random ex-Clellanian of the day.
0: All right. I mean, that wasn't fair at all,
1: but congrats. No. You stumped me. Nah, it's all right. It was going to be difficult regardless. You can subscribe to the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to podcasts, really. Any parting words? No, I hope everyone has a
0: wonderful Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, eat a lot of food. What's your, what's your go-to food?
1: Uh, used to be stuffing. Really love stuffing, but now green bean casserole. Give me all of the green bean casserole. I will eat the whole dish.
0: Okay. I'm a big cranberry
1: guy. Yeah. I, I uh, In my youth, I wasn't a big fan, but uh, I do appreciate it now. So I, w- I will say, yeah, I love cranberries.
0: You don't need to do anything to them. Just give me <laughs> cranberries. I don't care if it's from the can or if they're actual <laughs> cranberries. Last year, we, we typically we, we go down spend it with my family uh either in atlanta or florida or, or my parents live in charlotte last year though because we also go on vacation around this time so last year we got back late enough that we we just stayed here and, and went to my wife's aunt's house which is what we're doing again this year i was so excited about the cranberries they looked fantastic <laughs> i take a giant first bite they were made with a wine some sort of wine sauce. Oh no. Like it was just straight wine. Oh no. Was not expecting that. Took a giant bite and ended up doing the whole like wasn't expecting that, kind of coughing, spitting it out <laughs> all at once. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Just, I mean, it was it, it was so embarrassing. So, and, and then you were drunk. So that's great. yeah. I mean, I it's it's
0: hard to get drunk off cranberries, but it, it's possible. <laughs> you I'll tell found you, found a
1: way. So, yeah. uh, and we certainly are thankful to everyone that supports the podcast every single week, helps bring it uh, your way. If you'd like to do that, you can find the links at TJ Zuppi at Selby's Godcast on Twitter at Zach Meisel as well. DMs are always open at is Godcast. Ooh. If you have uh, any suggestions for things you'd like to hear, I think we'll mix in uh, a mailbag at some point. Uh, get some questions for you guys. so We do some rapid fire. And uh, any other suggestions, be sure to hit us up.
0: Yeah, we also in- were going to... We're thinking about reviewing some of the marquee games in the last yeah. 25 years or so of Indians history. We can even branch out further than that. But uh, tossing around some fun ideas, things we can do. Um, so if you have any games that you cherish and and just that stand out in your memory um there are obvious ones that come to mind maybe if there's anything that isn't too obvious uh
1: let us know and and we'll add it to the list until next time we are out of here have a good Thanksgiving everybody see ya
0: The Selby is Godcast, featuring Zach Meisel and TJ Zuppi, is presented by our supporters at Anchor. To help support the podcast, visit anchor.fm slash Selby Godcast. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like what you hear, we sure hope you do, be sure to leave us a five-star review. And if you have suggestions, drop us a DM on Twitter at Selby is Godcast. Thanks for listening.